All right. Welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. I am your host today, Trey Stinkfingers Jose, a.k.a. Uh, way Too Early Victory Laps, things like that, nicknames I've been given. I am joined today by Tyler Big Irby Erbach. How you doing, dude? Doing very, very well. Excited to get this. You start sits in, in this week. It's exciting. It's Thanksgiving. Let's go. Yes, sir. And if you haven't noticed by now, we're releasing these episodes early because obviously, um, unless you're a slave, you're not working on Thursday. <laughs> uh, hopefully you have Friday off also. So we're getting these episodes out to you early as far as our start sits of the week. This episode today is obviously, um, if you've been listening to us, about the early games, which is going to be Thanksgiving games, the three Thanksgiving games, and the early Sunday morning games. And before we dive into that, obviously, uh, we are missing Jimbo, James Dreer. He will hopefully be back with us shortly. And if you don't like my voice, you can just fuck off, give us five stars, and then fuck off. <laughs> and with that being said, um, you can follow us on Twitter, at the FF Fathers. If you want any um, you know, advice as far as who to start or sit, waiver wire advice, just really any fantasy football advice or banter or anything like that, hit us up on Twitter, at the FF Fathers. Wherever you're listening to us right now, make sure you like and subscribe, and you will get our notifications when our episodes come out. So, with that being said, um, before we dive into our episode today, which covers the Thanksgiving games and the Sunday morning games, Big Irby's got a message for you. Yeah, I just wanted to make everyone aware, like, because we are recording this early, so we have very little update on most injuries going into this going into this week. Please make sure you are on top of it when it comes to injuries in terms of guys that might be game time decisions, guys that get ruled out, especially in these early Thursday morning, these Thursday games for Thanksgiving. Um, it's a quick turnaround for, for these teams. The guys that are hurt might not be able to make it to come back this week. So just please make sure you pay attention to your injuries uh, on your team this week because it's going to be very, very important. Yep, exactly. And I'm totally with you. Make sure you, you just pay attention. Um uh, Someone who's not very important, but players like Matthew Stafford, who's in concussion protocol. You know, we're so early in the week, we we can't really tell what's going to happen, you know, once Sunday comes around or things like that. So, yeah, it's a very good point to bring up here. Um, so, let, let's just dive into the first games of our episode here, the three Thanksgiving games. We have the Buffalo Bills going to Detroit. Well, really staying in Detroit <laughs> yeah. because they were there last week. They're playing the Lions. The Bills are nine and a half point favorites, and the over-under is a whopping 54 points. So Vegas sees a lot of points being scored in this game, which is uh, personally I like to see because I, I think Detroit is a very uh, competitive team, and they're, they're capable of doing this and keeping up with the Bills more or less. They're probably going to lose the game, but either way. It is an interesting over-under based off of how good Buffalo's defense has been. I know they've been a little leaky the last few weeks, and the Lions' offense obviously has been a little up and down. Start off the season super hot, had a bit of a lull, and they're kind of ratcheting it back up here. But an interesting over-under that they expect, based on the Lions, to be able to keep up a little bit here. Hopefully. I mean, even with that over-under, the, the Lions score 20 points. So, that you know, <laughs> yeah, 20-ish okay. points, three touchdowns. Um I wouldn't be surprised if the over-under is a little higher than that. You mean the actual score? Yeah, the over-under, yeah. 54 points. Um, so you're taking the over? I, I think I am, yeah. All right. Yeah, like which it. means I might be at the casino this weekend on Thanksgiving. <laughs> you have to get there real early. <laughs> yes, sir. 
So, uh, well, speaking of Thanksgiving, what's your favorite dish, real quick? Dude, I'm a dessert guy. Give me the pumpkin pie. I fucking hate you. It's green bean casserole all the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's dive into this game and talk about the Buffalo side of the ball. Uh, Josh Allen has been limited with a, his elbow injury. He played through it in the last two weeks, and it doesn't really seem like a real concern with him. He's probably going to play the game. So, Josh Allen, starting for the Bills, 99% chance, probably. Probably. that's This one's ones because it is a quick turnaround that, you know, maybe the elbow doesn't have those extra couple days to heal between games that gave him enough rest to go. Josh Allen's a tough SOB, so I'm sure he's going to play, but be a little wary just to be safe. Which means you might take that spread, you know, nine and a half points for Buffalo. Holy shit, that's a huge spread. Dude, spread. there's a couple big spreads this week, and I swear to God, there's been more big spreads in the NFL this season than I've seen, like, I think ever. There isn't as much disparity. Well, maybe there is, but yeah, a lot of teams are competitive, and a lot of teams are just trash. Yeah. The Lions are not trash, though, so I'm with you on that one. Um, it's a weird, it's a weird spread, but let's talk about Devin Singletary very quietly becoming the running back 21 on the season, which means he's a starting running back. None of us saw that happening, but here we are. The team doesn't run the ball a ton, but he does seem very efficient with his touches. I know James Cook is kind of creeping around. He's lurking. So how do you feel about this backfield? I mean, they are playing the Lions who we know, um, I'm not sure where they're at right now, but to begin the year, they were quite literally on pace to demolish every record for the worst defense of all time. Um, I think they've gotten a little bit better recently, but they're still a really bad defense. I mean, going from like dead last in basically every category to them being like almost as good as the rest of the defense in the league, it's, it's that bad. So I think you can throw in Singletary this week. And granted, like you just said, like he's worked his way into actually a starting position every game at this point. So it shouldn't be that much of a question, even though it could be a surprise to a lot of, you know, fantasy owners that don't have Singletary, so they have no reason to pay attention to him. But he's putting in a little bit of work this year and he's doing a decent job. So I don't see that changing against the Lions. Yeah, I'm with you. That that defense can definitely be susceptible and he seems like he's in a decent spot to at least be a starting running back for you. You're obviously low end running back too, but um, this year, a lot of low-end running backs, yeah, it, it, they just exist. So, uh, receiving-wise, we'll just glance over it real quick. Obviously, Stefan Diggs, you're starting him. Gabriel Davis. I think you're probably starting. He's too explosive. It's too hard to keep him out of your lineup. I know he's going to throw some duds up out there, but he's more consistent than, say, someone who's like Mike Williams or even Devontae Smith in terms of them having both like really high games and really low games. Uh, he tends to have more games. He has a lot of games that are like very good, and then even his mediocre games are better than like just being absolute dog shit. So, um, I you have to play Gabriel Davis. I it's just too explosive in this offense. Like flex worthy though. Like obviously he's not like a wide receiver too. Yeah, you. I mean, you might have drafted him as your wide receiver too. Those the thing. I mean, he had a lot of hype. I wasn't a part of that hype. I know, like I was. I didn't believe in his major output in the second half of the season, especially in the playoff game. I don't think any of us were. <laughs> yeah. It just, but a lot of people were, people were hyping him up. Like he was the next thing. It's like, you have to realize that Stefan Diggs is still there. That's not changing. Stefan Diggs is the guy. Yeah. Uh, don't get it twisted that way. So I would say, yeah, I'm <clears throat> super happy putting Davis in my flex, but I think a lot of people will probably have him as his wide receiver too, because they drafted him really high and they don't have a better option. Well, speaking of guys who catch the ball, what about Dawson Knox? 
seeing a good amount of usage, playing a large amount of snaps, 80-plus percent in most games. Uh, forgive me for the pauses. We were eating jalapenos before the game. So if you hear <laughs> well, before this podcast. So if you hear any pauses, it's because we were eating jalapenos and we're still recovering. <laughs> this is our game time. Yeah, candy jalapenos or what do you call it? Cowboy candy if you're from the Northwest or anywhere in the West or country stuff. Either way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, dude, Dawson Knox has been weird this season, honestly. Last year, we said all year he was touchdown dependent, but he was getting a lot of touchdowns, so you were okay with it. This year, he's not scoring those touchdowns, because we know that from year to year, touchdowns don't roll over. You know, it's a very, very hard stat to to generate and to, you know, keep up going, so he only has two touchdowns this year, but he's kind of becoming a little more of this offense right now. The last two weeks, he does have 13 targets, and he has 11 catches on those 13 targets, so he's getting enough usage that all of a sudden... He might be worth streaming. You, we have, we've had a couple of injuries to the tight end position in the last couple of weeks. We had, you know, Goddard's out, Pitts is out, which I know he hasn't done great for you, anyways. But you know, those are two, at least bigger names that have gone down. Goddard was actually a top five tight end at the time, so you might need somebody to stream. And at least Knox gives you the ceiling of being part of an explosive offense against a very, very good matchup. Yeah, and how you ended that is exactly how I feel about him. He gives you a good ceiling and an explosive offense, but I mean, his his floor right now is four points. Tight ends suck, so if you're kind of stuck with him, you just got to roll with him. So, yeah, Dawson Knox, decent play. Definitely not someone we're confident in right now. Let's talk about the Lions. They're still taking it easy with DeAndre Swift because he's so injury-prone. Early victory lap, I called it. If you've been listening, I already done told you, man. You don't want DeAndre Swift. You want Jamal Williams. And they have been leaning on Jamal Williams, who is leading the NFL right now with 12 rushing touchdowns. At this point, yeah, we're going to week 13. Uh, that is one touchdown per week. Obviously, it's not he, he's not scoring a touchdown every week. But who would have saw that coming? Week 12. Uh, nobody. Nobody had that. And anybody who says they had Jamal Williams being the rushing touchdown leader in Week 12, they're liars. Just straight up, they're liars. You know, I'm not really lying, but I definitely lying about the Lions. But I knew he was going to do better than DeAndre Swift. You know, I said it. I know, but that's only because you said Swift is injury prone. When Swift is on the field, he does well. They're really... He is impressive. They're they're really, you know, going very slow with him when he, since he's come back. I know... He came back from injury, and they gave him, you know, more than half the carries and had a ton of touches, and he had a decent game. And then Dan Campbell was like, it was too much. We didn't want to do that. And now they're like, have, you know, brought him back so far that he's like, it's hard for him to even attempt to be productive. So, I mean, obviously, I'm still a believer in Swift. The, I mean, the talent's just there. But Jamal Williams is getting all the goal line work. Uh, he has six touchdowns in the last four games. I mean, he—they're just feeding him the ball wherever they can. He looks good doing it. So, Jamal Williams is probably your better play, but I'm not jumping off the Swift train yet. I'm just calling it right now. Jamal Williams is the better player for the rest of the season, and Swift will get you two games in. <clears throat> let's just say, uh, you know, the fantasy championship happens usually in week 16. Uh, 17 this year. There are 18 games. There are 18 games. So let's just say that the championship happens in week 17. Uh, in the next five games, DeAndre Swift might give you two solid games. I'd feel more comfortable moving forward with Jamal Williams. Well, with that being said, in the semifinals and the 
and the championship week, they play Carolina and Chicago. Those are two pretty damn good matchups, and maybe you can play them both at that time if you're you know in that position where you're you're needing a win. So again, I'm not jumping off the Swift train. I think he's too talented. With all that being said, we're, we're maybe we're looking too far ahead. This is a tough matchup against Buffalo and the, you know four running back. What do we expect to happen this week for either one of them? I expect Jamal Williams to be start worthy no matter what, and DeAndre Swift. I would feel iffy about. Okay, nothing much has changed for me. Uh, obviously, they're they're still kind of um, they're easing Swift back into the mix. They are. Aren't you concerned a little bit though? Because even though like Williams is getting the goal line work, he hasn't broken four yards a carry in the last three games. It's all about usage. He is this year's James Conner. There's nothing impressive that he's doing, but they believe in him, and he's getting touchdowns. Okay. It's an interesting way of putting it, but I don't know. It's just like if you look at most of his season, he hasn't ran the ball for with much average. So even though he's getting a lot of usage, he's not doing a, a ton with it, but he's getting the goal line work, a shit ton of goal line work. And that's where these touchdowns come. It's not like he's breaking off 20, 25-yard touchdown runs. He's just not. He's breaking off two- and three-yard touchdown runs. Hey, touchdowns are touchdowns, dude. And they we are. talked about it last uh, on our last episode for the waiver wires. The best ability is availability. He's yeah. there, and he shows up. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I'm not sure how much the Lions are in the red zone this week. So, Well, with that over-under, they better be in the goddamn end zone. I don't know. I could see this being a game of explosive touchdowns, so it's going to be a long one. So maybe you rely a little more on Swift catching the ball out of the backfield and Amon Ross St. Brown. I could see what you're saying. That's a decent point to be making. Um, we could talk about this shit all night, honestly. <laughs> no, because you know how much I hate <laughs> this, DeAndre this is Swift. Game, this is game one. We should. Oh, uh, the lights are flickering in the house. Apparently, there is an exorcism happening in my <laughs> basement. So, let's talk about the next game. Giants are playing the Cowboys in Dallas. Dallas are nine point favorites. Still talking about Thanksgiving Day right now. Over under is forty five and a half point points or forty five and a half points. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. So, are we considering on the Giants side of the ball, should we consider Darius Slayton? He has at least nine points in four of his last five games. Obviously, Wondell Robinson went down for the season. It seems like Darius Slayton is now solidified as the number one pass catcher in New York, which is really nothing to brag about. I mean, if it's not Darius Slayton, the only person we're fucking with on this offense is Saquon Saquon (laughs) Barkley. You already know. It's Saquon. Saquon Barkley. Whatever. Oh, man. I'm going to get his mom on the phone. I let her tell you how to say it. I will literally call her up. <laughs> <clears throat> um, I mean, honestly, the, Darius Slayton kind of recently came came on my radar. I'm not like sure. I didn't even realize how you know consistent he has been the last five or six weeks. And so it's interesting. Um, obviously, he doesn't. He hasn't had like that blowout game where he has you know a big 17, 18, 20 point game. But he's very consistently getting you double digits right now. And with the subtraction of Wandell Robinson and Darius Slayton being that guy, I think you could actually look at Slayton as a flex play. I, I could agree. And in you know, in fantasy times past before the wide receiver position was so completely vague, or really any position nowadays, um, I, I really valued receivers on teams that were bad 
and Darius Slayton is on. It's like the Giants are bad, but obviously he's in a position to be a good number one receiver for a team. Yeah. So if if you see what I'm saying, you got to take advantage of players who are not rostered in a lot of leagues, but more or less they have to get the ball. So I'm with you on that one. Well, I mean, and to your point in terms of like the you know number one receivers being on a bad team, no one really believes that the Giants don't. They don't believe in their seven and three record, right? Like no one really no. believes in that. Like the team doesn't look that good on paper, but they are winning games, which is great. But they're close games. They're edging them out. Uh, it's just one of those kind of weird anomalies. Like I'm sure over the last however you know what seven weeks of the season, six weeks of the season, we end up seeing them kind of do the exact opposite. They I could very well see them going you know four and four and six the rest of the way or something like that. Whatever however many games are left, and where they basically finish as like more of a 500 team. So yeah, I think I think your position there of like, you know, a number one receiver on a on a bad team is solidified. I don't think that the Giants are are a great team. So with that being said, there are I mean, some garbage time points available and Darius Slayton could be in line to, you know, pick up those points. Someone has to. You know, someone's gonna benefit from, you know, this lack of receivers in their and offense. And it should be mentioned the the last this slate of games to end the to end the season are rough. One, they're almost all against the MC against the MC East. So, which is every team in that league in that division has a winning record right now, including the Commanders, which I know is weird, but they do. They're competitive. Yeah, but they, so they play Dallas, Washington, Philly, Washington, Minnesota, Indianapolis, and Philly again. It's a rough slate of games to end this season. Definitely some solid defenses. But which means they might be playing from behind, and Darius Lane gets you some garbage points. Exactly. So I'm with you on that one. Let's talk about the Dallas side of the ball. Both Zeke and Tony Pollard had good games last week against the Vikings. Tony Pollard at this point is, um, we've been talking about this for a while, not someone that you would want in your lineup. He has 87 points in his last three games. Obviously extremely explosive and somewhat consistent on a short-term basis, you know, obviously the last three weeks. Zeke is also sitting at running back 24 on the year. If we're considering his points per game basis, it's not consistent, but is he playable this week? Man, it's so weird because Zeke is one of those guys, like you look at his overall stats, like this isn't great. Um, But on his points per game basis, he is a starting running back. And so it's really hard to gauge on what you should do. Um, He's limited in practice again this week. He'll probably be limited in practice the rest of the season, honestly, with his knee injury. I don't see him coming off the injury report. Um, and if he does, it's going to be late in the year. So I don't love the matchup against the Giants, but Zeke is in a similar boat of, to Jamal Williams where he's getting that all that goal line work. If it, if they're not scoring on explosive plays, it's Zeke you know, within the five-yard line, you know, just putting his head down and blowing through defenders. So I think Zeke gives you that like high upside, that high ceiling type of flex play. Um but Pollard is the guy that you can put in your lineup without any hesitation. Yep, I totally agree. Let's talk about Dalton Schultz. Ever since uh, Dak Prescott has came back, Dalton Schultz has been pretty decent. Uh, you know, in the last four weeks, he has 25 targets, a couple of double-digit games. As far as tight ends go, I think it's someone you can feel comfortable throwing in your lineup. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, you know, when it comes, we've said it for weeks now and he've already in this episode tight ends suck the position is terrible take a guy that you can put a flyer on to have a 
you know, score you a touchdown. And Dalton Schultz is part of an explosive offense where he does get a decent amount of usage. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the Thanksgiving night game. Uh, by this point, if you're like us, you're probably already feeling a buzz and hanging out with your family and <laughs> uh, getting sick of them. So when this game comes on, it's going to be the Patriots playing in Minnesota against the Vikings. Vikings are two and a half point favorites. Over 100 is 42 and a half points, the lowest of Thursday night or Thursday Thanksgiving football, however you want to say it. We know right now on the Patriots side of the ball that Ramondre Stevenson is the guy. It's pretty obvious at this point, even after Damian Harris has recovered from injury, but it did look, look like the bye week helped Damian Harris recover a little bit more and gain some favor in this backfield. He did have his best game since week four, averaging over eight yards per carry, Damian Harris. So obviously we like Ramondre Stevenson, but is Damian Harris enough to creep into your fantasy lineup? Not yet. Um, I'm going to wait on him and see what happens. I love the average. He played very well. He saw holes correctly, but he still only had the eight carries. And that's what's worrisome. Um, I love what we do with him, especially when you saw that Ramondre Stevenson had 15 carries for only 26 yards. So it's less than a two-yard average. But he had a decent enough day through the through the air that made his, you know, kind of salvage his day there. So I'm interested to see the way this works out going forward. I think you're still happy putting Ramondre in your lineup. But I'm going to wait and see what happens with, with Damian Harris for at least one more week. And then we'll go from there. Yeah, I'm with you. It seems like Ramondre is definitely the guy they're rolling with. You got to kind of wait things out. I love Damian Harris. I've talked about him for the last, basically this, the whole time we've done the podcast. Mm-hmm. I definitely like what he does. Let's talk about the Minnesota side of the ball. <clears throat> Forgive me, the jalapenos, man. I'm telling you, killing my throat right now. Um, <laughs> and he's the his- Hispanic one. I know. They've been <laughs> marinating. Anyways, um, Dalvin Cook has had some tough matchups in the last two weeks, played pretty well. Now he has the hardest matchup in the league as the Patriots are only giving up 14 points to running backs. Honestly, to me, it, you just have to throw him in the lineup no matter what. It's oh, not yeah. Really a question to me. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't trying to like put out there like, oh, you should sit Dalvin Cook. I'm just curious as what you feel he's gonna his production is going to look like this week because against Buffalo, he had a good game. He had 22 points. And then turned around against Dallas, he only had seven. But... He got no work in the receiving game. He had a six-yard average, a six-and-a-half-yard average against Dallas. So, like, he's still putting up good averages, good numbers overall. I just am curious what do you think. I mean, do you think we're going to see him where he has another, like, you know, less than 10-point game against New England? Or do you think he jumps back out there and puts up, you know, a 15-point game? I, I see a double-digit game, but uh, barely. You know, running right. back two, which, you know, if you have double digits, you're running back two right So, you're, you're thinking, you know, like 12 points. 12, 13 points, and you'd be totally fine with it. Okay. I would be. I, I think, honestly, I don't know why. I have this feeling that he's going to um, get a little more passing game work this week, so I think he's going to give you uh, a little over 15 points. Um, I think So I think he'll still finish like right around that RB1, RB2 like kind of cut off. But, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously you're still starting Dalvin Cook. Don't get it twisted. Yeah, definitely let him, let him cook, unlike Russ, who is absolute trash. But we'll get to that eventually. Next episode. Yeah, ne- <laughs> the next episode, for sure. Shout out to Dr. Dre. <laughs> but um, since TJ Hawkinson was traded to the Vikings three weeks ago, he has 28 targets. The second most for a tight end in the last three weeks behind Travis Kelsey. The God. Obviously, TJ Hawkinson is a must-start, and I'll just say it's about goddamn time. 
Mm-hmm. But you really don't have to think about throwing TJ Hawkinson in your lineup. Agreed. I mean, Hawkinson has always been super talented. We've seen it since he was drafted. It was just the there's a lot of inconsistency in Detroit, and now he's part of an offense that has a much more consistent quarterback, um, much more, it looks like, consistent game plan on what they want to do and how they want to utilize him. And he's going to be, not just this season, I think as long as he's in, in Minnesota, he's going to be a top five tight end for fantasy purposes. So if you are lucky enough to have him in like fantasy leagues, congratulations, because you just got a stud for the next you know five, six years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dynasty Leagues? I think he said Fantasy Leagues. But either way. Yeah, I meant Dynasty. Dynasty. Did I say Fantasy? Yeah, <clears throat> yeah you did. Well, But Dynasty Leagues, yeah, definitely a good person to have in your lineup, and his value has increased tremendously for Dynasty. Let's move on to the Sunday morning games. We got the Bengals playing in Tennessee against the Titans. The Bengals are one-and-a-half point favorites, pretty low over-under with 42-and-a-half points. It looks like Jamar Chase is slated to be back at practice this week. Like I said, uh, well, like you said earlier, we are recording this episode early, so practices aren't really happening. So we don't know if Jamar Chase is going to practice this week. Definitely monitor that. He did miss the last three games with a hip injury. His status for this game is obviously up in the air, but if you have Jamar Chase, obviously that's great news for you that he might be back. If he does play, what happens to T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd? Honestly... I think the exact opposite happens of what happened when Jamar Chase went out. Like, we talked about it when Jamar Chase went out. I think we immediately went, we had T. Higgins as, like, a wide receiver two and a wide receiver three, even when it came to fantasy purposes. Mm-hmm. And they immediately both just jumped up a position to wide receiver one and wide receiver two. And the exact opposite is going to happen going forward uh, when Chase is back. T. Higgins immediately comes back to that wide receiver two position, and Tyler Boyd becomes that kind of, you know, wide receiver three, slight flex type of player, How depending on how mat- the matchup works out. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. That, that's exactly how this offense works, and um, shout out to the Bengals for being a pretty, a pretty predictable offense. Because <laughs> it makes it easy on us. Yeah, it makes it easy, definitely. And I, I definitely agree with you with that with that one. So you know, last Sunday Joe Mixon did leave the game with a concussion, and his status for this week is up in the air. Like I said early in the week, we don't know what's going on. Concussion protocol is a long thing in the NFL. If you are a Joe Mixon owner, hopefully you have some AJP Ryan as a handcuff. Because obviously he came in and scored three touchdowns in two and a half quarters. Well, he actually had he actually had a receiving touch. They were all receiving touchdowns, which is you know kind of an anomaly. Like Mm -hmm. it's weird that he didn't have a single rushing touchdown, but he did have one touchdown before Mixon even left the game. So let's just say Joe Mixon doesn't play. It's Samaj P. Ryan, and they're going up against the Titans, who are pretty tough against running backs. Do you think uh, Samaj P. Ryan does it? gets the job done i'm a little concerned like obviously whoever starts is gonna get the usage that you need as an rb1 that's not gonna that's not gonna change um so you're i'm plenty fine throwing either one into your lineup regardless of who gets to start but i am gonna going to temper expectations when it comes to the matchup because playing the titans is not easy they are very very good against the run they allow a ton of yards through the air so for all the receiver you know anybody who owns the receivers or has you know numbers of the receivers for the Bengals on their team. Um, you're happy with that, but I'm going to lower expectations week for regardless of who starts for Cincinnati at the running back position. Yeah, I would feel the same way. If Joe Mixon's out, so my JP Ryan's like borderline flex for me, not expecting much from their backfield. On the Tennessee side of the ball, Traylon Burks, 
I mean, obviously Derrick Henry, you're starting him. <laughs> but, you know, Traylon Brooks, he had his first good game as a pro last week. We start, we talked about him on the Wave Wire episode that came mm-hmm. out, um, you know, yesterday or two days ago, if you're listening right now. Does he keep it rolling this week? Or is Derrick Henry the only person we're touching on this offense? Which, in my opinion, the only person I'm touching, and I'm holding on to Traylon Brooks if I do have him. Yeah, absolutely. You're starting Derrick Henry, obviously. And I wouldn't start anybody else. I like the fact that, the, tight, the Tennessee passing offense has had its two best games of the season in the last two weeks. So things seem to be getting better. But I'm not banking on Traylon Burks still ha- coming out and having another great game. I'm with you. It's Derrick Henry. But Burks should be on your roster. So hopefully you were able to get him on waivers if he, if he was available. Yes, sir. Let's talk about the Buccaneers going into Cleveland to play the Browns. The Bucks are three and a half point favorites. The overrunner is 43 points. Pretty low over-under, but not the worst. It looks like Leonard Fournette is going to be ready to go this week against the Browns after you know resting his hit pointer that he suffered two weeks ago. They had a bye week last week, the Buccaneers. What do you expect from old fat boy Lenny? <laughs> Come on, man. It's Le- it's Lenny four touchdowns. All right? Lenny. Remember that. He Put has some like respect. ten nicknames. I can't keep up with them. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Um. Honestly, I'm still okay with Leonard Fournette. I have I'm not that worried about Rashad White like poking into his, or really you know taking away carries from him. I understand everyone's like like has as like freaking out like Rashad White had eight more carries than Leonard Fournette against the Seahawks. Leonard Fournette didn't play the second half at all. He didn't play a single down in the second half, and he still had 14 carries in the first and scored a touchdown. So he still gave you a good fancy day. With Leonard Fournette back and healthy, more than likely, then I don't foresee Rashad White be being able to, you know, carve out a significant role in this offense to be fantasy worthy. So Fournette had fourteen carries against the Seahawks. Yeah. So the Bucks ran the ball thirty six times. Yes, I know they never stopped running the ball. It was ridiculous. Very interesting, and you know, honestly, I agree with you. So um, the the interesting point to me is how much they ran the ball. So if, I think if Fournette's back. It looks good. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. They they've been having to run the ball all season until they play the Seahawks, and I think it's more. They're like, let's just change it. Let's just try something different because the offense isn't playing well. Let's just run the ball, even if it's not working. Because they they didn't run the ball great. They ran it for a, they ran a ton of times, so like there's a bunch of yardage on it too. But it's not like yeah, you know, they had a, insane averages. They had you know about four yards a carry or whatever it was. So it wasn't significant in terms of the per run average but and unlike previous games they just stuck to it and kept it moving and that's what worked out and that's what made it so they more than likely won the game well let's talk about the bucks wide receiver room it looks like we got breaking news are you gonna do it are you gonna do it <laughs> breaking news there we go the healthiest they have been all season the only wide receiver for the buccaneers right now that's on the injury report is russell gage and he did practice on Monday. So apparently the Bucks wide receiver room is healthy for the first time all season. Yeah, we're 12 weeks in now. <clears throat> what do we expect from a fully healthy wide receiver room? Obviously, we got Mike Edwins who, or Mike Evans who. Edwins? I, <laughs> I was looking at that and Godwin. Either way, Mike <laughs> Evans, uh, pretty much a must start. Chris Godwin to me, uh, flirting with starting, definitely worthy of looking at. Julio Jones has been an enticing option because he does he has been scoring on a limited amount of catches. 
with that being said, I uh, I I'm just gonna sit with what I said. Yeah, uh, for me, it's Godwin and, and Evan still. I I just I can't go to the Julio route. He's not the same player that like Antonio Brown was for him. Um, he's much older than Antonio Brown was. He's mm-hmm. the injury problems are are legitimate. It has been happened for years. I will say though, I mean, Chris Godwin pretty sufficiently outplayed Mike Evans against the Seahawks. He had eight catches, sixty one yards. <laughs> Eight targets, six catches, seventy-one yards, and touchdown to Evans six, five, and fifty-four with with no scores, and he's still getting so much work. And as is Evans, it's not like Evans is not getting a ton of targets as well. Crazy targets, both of them though. And so like it's those two together, and I understand it. like Godwin's frustrating because of how many targets he gets. It's insane that he's basically averaging double-digit targets for the for the year. And he's just not putting up that many points, but that much usage has to turn into points as some, you know, eventually. Maybe that happens now because of the bye week. They, you know, can retweak a couple things. They're certainly more healthy now. So I have no problem throwing Chris Godwin and Mike Evans into my lineup. You know what's crazy? Between the two of them, they've scored four touchdowns this year. Mike Evans hasn't scored since week four. Well, I mean, Chris Godwin scored his first touchdown against the Seahawks. So. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it, it's wild. Definitely a different uh, landscape than we thought it would be over in Tampa Bay. Let's talk about the Browns. Um, Amari Cooper, obviously, is a must-start. Yep, and Nick Chubb. Yeah, obviously, yeah, Nick Chubb, not even worth re- mentioning at this point. Definitely worth starting. Um, <clears throat> David Njoku did miss the last two games with an ankle injury. He did return last week. Didn't play very much, but... He was a major part of this offense before he got injured. He was a must-start tight end before this happened. Yep. As as far as I'm concerned, he is a must-start tight end. If you played limited last week, I think he's fine to go this week. I I agree. Um, because he didn't. I mean, he he only had three targets. But he also only played 37 percent of snaps. So they were clearly wanting to bring him back slowly. Uh, and I'm with you. And Joku, he gives you such a high ceiling because he's insanely talented. And so when it comes to a streaming option for a tight end, he's absolutely one of those guys. And uh, honestly, I have no problem throwing him into your lineup every week because, like you said, he should be a startable tight end every week just because of the usage he has. And on this podcast, we wouldn't joke you, dude. Start David, (laughs) all right? You got to. If he's healthy and ready to go, start that mofo. He's ready. Uh, Let's talk about the next game. Houston Texans going to Miami. Uh, apparently going they're going to get their Miami. ass whipped by the Dolphins. Yeah, going to Miami. <laughs> the Dolphins are 13-point favorites. Which Sheesh! Is, holy shit, that's a crazy spread right there. The over-under is 46 points. And Damian Pierce finally had a bad game after being named the starter in week three. The Dolphins do have a good defense. Do you think Pierce ba- bounces back against the Dolphins? He's got to. I mean... Nothing changed all year when it comes to the fact that Damien that Damien Pierce is getting hit in the backfield on most plays. He has one of the very worst yards before contact in the you know in the NFL out of all running backs, mm-hmm. and that's not his fault. That's the offensive line fault. They suck, but he's still producing anyways. He's too good of a runner. He's too hard nosed. He's always falling forward. I have no problem keeping him in your lineup this week. Miami is not. The easiest matchup, they're giving up just over 20 points a game. It's the 
they're kind of middle of the pack, honestly, about 14th best in the league. So, yeah, I have no problem rolling with Pierce again. Yeah, and in this running back landscape, I think you have to. Can't expect yeah. a lot from him, but he's going to be worthy of starting, I believe. And, you know, sneak peek, I'll be talking about the Dolphins defense at the end of, it, of our next episode. I'll just say it right now because it's a different episode. I like the Dolphins defense this week. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, honestly, you could play basically any defense against the Texans this, this year. Damian Pierce still was getting his, but your defense that was playing them was also getting points because the offense as a whole sucks. Yeah, that's a great point. Yep. Yep. Damian Pierce, definitely worth starting, but you can't expect the world from him this week. It's going to be a rough week. That is for sure. So let's talk about the Dolphins side of the ball then. Jeff Wilson is the lead back in Miami. A couple of weeks ago, we weren't sure what was really going to happen, and he has absolutely busted out. But Raheem Mustard, a.k.a. the most hurt, has had... A- hey, he hasn't missed a game this season, all right? Yeah, this season. <laughs> I know, but hey, this season, it's impressive. I have to admit, it's impressive how well he's been able to stay on the field. <clears throat> okay, we'll change the change to Raheem Lest Hurt for uh, 2022. But he had a solid outing before, you know, the bye week that the Dolphins had last week. Has she shown enough in, you know, the few games since Jeff Wilson's arrival to make Raheem Mostert a decent flex player? I personally don't think so. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, man. It's I'm not sold on it. And I know it like the reason that he's had a couple of decent games is because he is scoring, so that's good, but he's not getting a ton of usage. Um the first week with Jeff Wilson there, they basically split carries, but the second week, I mean, he had uh Wilson out carried him by almost double. He's getting a, a little more receiving work though, so that's I don't know, man. I don't know what to do. But Jeff Wilson is certainly a guy you can absolutely throw in, and Moster, I'm just not sold on. If you're in a tough position, I think you could flex him just because they do give him enough usage to be there, but I'm not sold on him to, you know, expect him to have a very good game. Yeah, I'm with you. Honestly, just real quick, this is the way I think about it. Imagine being um, okay at your job, but you're not very good about it, and you get a new manager. And then he brings in someone that he really likes from his previous company in your same position. Like, you're kind of shit out of luck. He already likes that guy from his previous experience with this guy from where he's been, you know, yeah. managing, I guess you would say, from a work point, point of view. Raheem Mostert's fucked. <laughs> he's fucked. I, that's a good analogy. Like, when I mean, they quite literally did that because, you know, the head coach was came from San Francisco. He likes Jeff Wilson. That's why they made the trade form after CMC went to to the San Francisco, and they were like, "Well, we don't need you anymore." Because, uh, you know. yeah, you get a new manager, and he's like, "I want to bring my boy from my last yeah. my last job." Uh, by the way, he does the same thing you do, and he's better at it. <laughs> yeah, so I I think he's definitely he's in a tough spot right now. Yeah, agreed. So I think we're in concurrence that Raheem Mostert should not be started. Yes, sir. Let's move on to the next game here. The Chicago Bears going to New York to play the Jets. That was the worst accent ever, but whatever. <laughs> um, the Jets are four and a half point favorites. That's kind of interesting. Uh, over-under is 39.5 points, one of the lowest over-unders of our early games that we're talking about. And right now, Justin Fields is dealing with a dislocation in his non-throwing shoulder. I will admit I did not um, know about that until I just read that. We literally talked about it in the waiver episode. 
Don't <laughs> bring up the past, man. <clears throat> Either way, dislocation. Pretty, um, not the worst injury, but definitely keeps you out. Um, they're not sure if he will play this weekend. He has been an absolute stud for the last month and a half. Totally carrying your fantasy team if you have been starting him. If he does play this weekend, do we accept the or do we expect the same amount of play? I personally don't. What what do we expect from this offense if Justin Fields takes the fields? <laughs> um, if he takes the field, I think you're gonna be okay. Uh, it's to the non throwing shoulders. So that's always good. But with that being said, any with how much he's running the ball. An in, a shoulder injury, they could, like, I mean, it's hard to tell the player when he's in the game, like, hey, don't run the ball. You can't, you know, it's hard. Like, instincts take over. But I'm sure if he is going to play, the coaches are going to be in his ear all week long, like, like, try not to run, try not to run, try not to run. If you are going to run, make sure you get your ass on the ground and don't take a hit. And recently he's not been doing that. He's he's okay just running the ball and, look, and you know, out there looking like Josh Allen trying to run people over. Well, rumor on the street is obviously he hurt his shoulder, but you know the second half of that game he didn't run the ball very much. Looked like they changed their game plan. He might have also kind of tweaked something in his leg. Okay, something that's not official. So you you brought up a good point. You know he's gonna be very limited to throwing through the air, and if if that's the case, I'm not messing with Justin Fields. Yeah, I think I'm with you there. Um, and that sucks to say because I mean obviously he's been arguably the best quarterback in fantasy the last six weeks with the numbers he's putting up. I mean, I haven't looked at the exact numbers. I'm sure on the season, he's like running. He's like the quarterback four after these last few weeks, you know, and that alone has propelled him all in to the top. Yeah. He's number four right now. I'm sure he's probably number one in the last six weeks. Oh, if you just, you know, put it into that context, mm-hmm. but yeah, the injury is concerning. Um, if there's, if there's anything on his leg, that's more concerning. But you don't want him taking hits, so he's gonna run less, and I that really hurts what he can do as a fancy quarterback because what he's been doing over the last six weeks is running for eighty yards a game minimum, essentially. So if he's not doing that, then his fantasy production is not great. Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with you. And with that being said, I do like Cole Komet, but I don't like him this week. I don't. I've never been a Cole Komet believer. I understand he's been on this tear of just touchdowns, and he's getting a lot of red zone work. But, he, I mean, we've been looking at this for, what, two or three seasons now? He's just never really put it together. I don't foresee that mm-hmm. happening. Um, there's got to be a big change of events. I think he needs to go to the Travis Kelsey school in the offseason. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, talk some slander here. Well, let's talk about the Jets side of the ball. This team, uh, especially fantasy-wise, it's hard to tell what's going to be going on with these guys. Apparently, they only moved the ball for two yards in the second half against the Patriots last week. Yeah, Uh, on a per-play basis, basis, they averaged 2.4 inches per play. Nice. Sounds like my (laughs) sex life. That's cool. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um. Yeah, so God, I got distracted here. So Zach Wilson was being a douchebag after the loss, more or less. Didn't take the blame. Um, he didn't even try to accept any responsibility. They straight up asked him, "Like, 
did you do you think he let down the defense today? He was like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was very uh, cut and dry. So what are we doing with Jets players? You know, obviously they have James Robinson now. Michael Carter has been on the team. But, you know, I, maybe I'm being selfish. I do have Michael Carter in a couple of leagues. It's hard to start either of those guys. Yeah, and honestly, an, I no one knows what's happening at the, at the quarterback position. Right now, it seems like during the games the game was playing, if you, like, pay attention to Twitter at all, Zach Wilson had lost the Jets fans completely like we're done with this like they hated him then after the game he lost the locker room as well and that's the biggest thing they said that they're going to evaluate the position going into this week they let Zach Wilson know that and I don't know which way they're gonna go they could go with Zach Wilson like hey we're gonna give you one more shot to prove yourself on the field to your team because like if he doesn't win this team back he's done anyways or they could sit and be like, all right, sit down, kid. What? Let me show you how a veteran shows you the way you're supposed to run a team and see what happens. But either way, I mean, it's either, okay, you're, you're talking about going from Zach Wilson and like, hey, try to rally the troops and bring, you know, put this team on your back and have a little bit of success. Or we're just going to give up on you for Joe Flacco. When you're fucking hot moms, dude, nothing matters. <laughs> uh, I wish I was speaking from experience. I would I say I, I would, would assume say, that's how it is. I would say if he's no longer playing quarterback in the NFL and all of a sudden it is not worth millions of dollars, might be a little harder to fuck hot moms. Uh, no, nah, hot moms are gonna get fucked for sure. <laughs> <clears throat> that's that's no question. So yeah, uh, basically we're not fucking with the Jets. No, I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't touch anybody right now until we figure out what's going on. I would say that I could certainly see the Jets relying a lot more on the running game regardless who plays a quarterback just to put a little bit you know go back to kind of your bread and butter run the ball play good defense try to win the game that way well real quick Brees Hall or god damn it not Brees Hall I'm the worst (laughs) Michael Carter Michael Carter or James Robinson James Robinson is the more talented back I will say that I don't think that's really up for question but he hasn't played very well since going to New York and that's some concern. Michael Carter is getting more touches. I think it's because he knows the offense better. And with some time, I think that Robinson will you know, take over here. But it's really hard to see that happening anytime soon. Just, it's tough. Grant, they're playing Chicago. And the Chicago defense sucks. It's kind of a get-right game. So maybe they get the chance to do that this week. I'll just cap that off by saying you're playing in Florida as a running back. Uh, for the most part, then you get sent up to New York in the goddamn winter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Washington is a beautiful place to live, which is where we live. I can't imagine being in New York during the winter. It's probably absolutely fucking depressing. At least we have mountains to look at. Granted, he did play at Illinois State, so like he was in the Midwest, you know. Ah, shout out to cold. the Midwest, dude. That's where I used to live. Illinois, stand up. Um, And then sit back down and listen to what I'm going to say next. So... <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the next game. The, the Falcons going to Washington. Washington, D.C., I believe, that area, whatever. Maryland, something like that. Maryland, Virginia. Yeah, they're going to play the Commanders. The Commanders are four-point favorites. 42-point uh, over-under for that game. And if you didn't hear our waiver Wire episode, you know, the Falcons did place Kyle Pitts on IR with a torn MCO. This passing game has been fucking atrocious all season. <laughs> I, I think with the absence of Pitts, it does make Drake London more intriguing. 
for the rest of the season. Uh, they don't pass the ball very much. I think it's around 20, 25 attempts per game, one of the lowest you know, in the NFL. When they do pass the ball, Drake London does get looks. So it gives me a little bit more attention to Drake London, but if I have a better uh, pair of receivers, you know, a nice wide receiver one and two, I'm not really looking to start him. Yeah, I'm with you. I does. I do want to see what happens though with Pitts being out, because obviously mm-hmm. Pitts and London, you could kind of interchange a little bit in terms of what they can do on the field. And so I'm curious to see if like Mariota really starts to focus in on Drake London a little more, and maybe he gets more usage, and that could very well turn into more production and a you know a better end of this season. Um, so I'm a little curious about him. I'm not necessarily. I'm not jumping into throwing my lineup. I know he's rostered in a ton of leagues. 78% is a really high roster percentage. So if you've been a guy who's been holding on to Drake London for this season, I'm a little curious now to see the way this works out. Well, check this out. My first thought with Kyle Pitts being out, obviously Drake London's going to get more looks. But Cordero Patterson, people forget, former wide receiver. Yeah. Tyler Algier has looked pretty decent in the backfield. So I'm curious if, you know, they lose that receiving option in Pitts, so they line up Cordero Patterson out wide more. And then Tyler Algier's usage increases. You see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Yeah, it very well could happen. Um, I mean, Algier and Patterson have basically split carries since Patterson has come back from injury. Mm-hmm. And I could see that happening, even though Patterson looks like if he would have played running back for most of his career in the NFL, he'd have a much better career. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, probably would have been paid a lot more because he's, Looked to be a very good running back so far, um, you know, since going to Atlanta. So it is interesting. Um, that could absolutely happen. I, you know, I wouldn't know until we see see how this game kind of plays out this weekend. But that's a very interesting take, and it, you know, I could see it, you know, coming to fruition that way. But who knows? Basically, at the end of the day, all of their um, our expectations for those guys increases a little bit. You know, they're yeah. we're, we're giving up about seven targets a game. Someone's got to get them. Yep, uh, Tyler Algier is probably not because he's not very involved in the receiving yeah. game. But you know, Cordero Patterson, Drake London, an extra three targets yeah. a game. Watch, <laughs> watch Alameda Zacharias come in and just fucking start dominating. He just murder Zacharias. Isn't Zacharias Alameda Zacharias? Zacharias? I don't know. I tried last year and I think I got it wrong. I think we all did. No one can say this name correctly. I think we need to get him on the mic and like, hey, how do we pronounce this? If if you don't know who we're talking about by now, just you are the worst uh, Googler in the history of the world. Either way, Alameda, Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, the, the, the number two receiver on the Falcons. I'm pretty sure we're all set that Alameda is the correct way of pronouncing the first name. Yeah, and it's Zacchaeus. It has to be. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just move on. All right. <laughs> okay. So um, on the, the, you know, the commander side of the ball, one week after Brian Robinson absolutely dominated the touches against... The Eagles a week ago, he was out snapped and out touched by Antonio Gibson. And this lineup, this matchup looked very good for Gibson or, or for, god damn it, for Brian Robinson. Either way, Antonio Gibson came in and vultured all the points that we wanted for Brian Robinson. This week against the Falcons, another very good matchup. So, how are we approaching this backfield? And quite, quite literally, I have no fucking idea. I don't. I thought Brian Robinson was due to have a major game against the Texans last week, and it just didn't happen. They, I think uh, Gibson had like almost double the touches he had. It's just, I don't know what, what to do now. Um, I'm confused because like, 
And this is not the first time we've said this about this backfield, right? We had mm-hmm. – it was Gibson at the beginning of the year because we were waiting for Robinson to come off of injury. Then when Robinson came back, he immediately had more touches than Gibson. We're like, okay, bye-bye, Antonio Gibson. Done. Cause we, that's what we thought was going to happen at the beginning of the year before the injury happened to, to Robinson. And now neither of those are true. Now it's like this 50-50 split, but Gibson looks better. And then even in a good game, you think Robinson would have a good day, and he just can't do it. So I don't know what to expect from this from this backfield. I'm not even really sure who you, who you can play right now. It's so confusing. With the usage, I think, in my opinion, I mostly agree with you. you got to throw Antonio Gibson at least in your flex. Brian Robinson, if you're feeling frisky, man, throw that motherfucker in there. All right, so you're leaning Gibson. I'm definitely leaning Gibson right now, like uh, like 60-40. Okay. I, honestly, in quite literally in my mind, I would flip a coin. Pretty close to 50-50? Yeah. So. No, I'm I'm talking about literally 50-50. I'm flipping a coin. If I had them both on my roster, I'd be like, what is the heads or tails like? Yeah. Yeah, honestly, I'm with you. It's really it's hard to say, but you know, you got to go with what has been tried and true. And Antonio Gibson does; ha- he's actually producing points. Brian Robinson is not even scoring touchdowns; he is getting carries. But it's Antonio Gibson's the one who's getting fantasy points. That's just the hard truth, which is crazy because this podcast fucking hates Antonio <laughs> Gibson. But you know, uh, with the emergence of Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson is now scoring points. Which is crazy. It's too hard. I, I I just don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Nobody does. Flip the coin and uh, just don't even look at it. And put May the odds forever be in your favor. <laughs> what is that from? Game of Thrones? Uh, Mockingbird. Um, the, 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 oh, my God. Not, well, that was the book. What was it called? Um, the. Wow. That movie. Trilogy. Yeah, whatever. You guys know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Maybe you don't. Um, Why can't we think of that? Hunger Games? Yes, thank there you. There we go. Jesus. Yeah, okay. Any fucking ways. Curtis Samuel. Sucks. Let me say what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> His targets and playing time continue to fall over the last four weeks. He really can't be considered someone that you're going to play in your lineup unless you see a drastic change in this offense. As far as is anyone receiving on this team, the only person you can really consider is Scary Cherry, which, I mean, what's fucking new? He had a de- Curtis Samuel had a decent beginning of the season, but it was still, yeah, it wasn't nothing special. He had a, he, okay, uh, the beginning of the season still has him as the wide receiver 20, so, I mean, that says something. But in the last four weeks, he has four targets, four targets, four targets, and two targets for a total of 140-ish yards, so... You know, you're talking about 30 yards a game on average. Uh, he has scored one touchdown in that time frame and only one game over uh, in double-digit points. It's just gone to the point where Samuel's no longer part of this offense, which is weird because he was getting so many, like, of those manufactured looks to begin the season, and now they're, they've just gone away from it. Maybe that's because of the player t- the play of Tyler Heineke, and they like to let him just go out there and, you know, act like he's on the playground because um, that's what he's kind of be- best at, so... Mm-hmm. With that being said, Curtis Samuel at this point, I just can't see him going into anybody's lineup at this point. It's it's just not there. No, I totally agree. Let's move on to the next game here. Denver Broncos playing in Carolina against the Panthers. The Broncos are two and a half point favorites. Ha, garbage. 
Uh, the over-under is 36 points, which makes sense because both these teams are trash right now. Mm-hmm. We talked about this on the waiver wire episode. Latavius Murray is now the clear lead back in Denver. They did waive Melvin Gordon. You know, uh, what was it yesterday or on yeah. Monday or Sunday? It was Monday. Yeah, so Monday this week they waived Melvin Gordon, which is honestly crazy. But you know, Chase Edmonds is also there, but he's expected to miss some time with an ankle injury. The only people behind Latavius Murray right now are Marlon Mack and Divine Azigbo. I. I think I'm getting that right. I'm not sure. The only people who are not on the practice squad running back-wise for the Broncos are Latavius Murray and Marlon Mack. And Marlon Mack hasn't seen decent work in, what, three years now at this point? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, Latavius Murray looks like a solid play to me. Uh, You know, I think he's a great play. I mean, yeah, sneak peek again. We're going to talk about him during our Starts of the Week episode, a.k.a. Deeper sneak peek. It's my start of the week for running back. <laughs> Latavius Murray. Yeah, I mean, it's hard not. I mean, Latavius Murray should be in line for RB1 numbers and touches. I would be shocked mm. that he gets, you know, less than, I would say, 15 carries. Um, I would much, I would think that's going to be closer to 20, though. I'm thinking that's where he's probably going to be as, you know, 18 to 22 carries. And against Carolina, who are giving up 23 points a game. I mean, he's basically due for all of those points. So we should see mm-hmm. him have a very, very good game. Exactly. Yep. And if you, for some reason, he's available after this waiver wire episode, or the, the waiver wires go through on Wednesday. Obviously, you're listening to this on Wednesday, and he's still available. You got to get in on that. Latavius Murray, pick him up, put him on your team. It's crazy that you're going to pass on somebody who's an obvious r- running back one on an offense who the only backup is Marlon Mack. It is crazy. And, I mean, obviously we knew that Latavius Murray was a major waiver wire addition um, earlier in the season when they first went to Denver. And then, obviously, his use is drop-off percentage-wise, roster percentage-wise, dropped dramatically. Because as of right now, waivers have not gone through this week yet. But on Sleeper, he's only rostered 25% of the league. So he's available in a ton. That is going – I would not be surprised if that jumped by 50% overnight here. Oh, it has to. That honestly could be a league winner if you're on the verge of getting into the playoffs, making a playoff push, or if you're already dominant and you get this guy in your team, you're sitting solid. Yep. Definitely. Uh, let's talk about the receivers, though. Jerry Judy, listed as day-to-day with an ankle injury. He did, you know, he, he sustained that on the opening drive of Week 10, so he has missed, a, you know, a few weeks now. There is optimism that he will play this week. If he is back, how do you feel about Jerry Judy? What about Cortland Sutton? Honestly, this passing offense is frustrating as fuck. I just, if I have to play one of these guys, I struggle with it. Um, Jerry Judy coming off an injury, I'm not too excited about it. Yeah, I don't love coming off an injury, especially a uh, an ankle injury, because like he's so good at route running that the ankle injury is going to hinder that and you know could cause less separation that he's very good at. Before the injury, though, he was starting to really build some rapport with Russell Wilson. He oh, had definitely. Not, I mean, he was, he had what, 14, 25, 38 targets in the four games before the injury. Mm-hmm. So that's a ton of usage. He was really starting to go. And then Sutton actually, he did step up in Jerry Judy's absence the last two games and put up decent numbers. He had 18 targets in the last two games, caught 11 of them for 146 yards. 
So decent usage there. I think if Judy is back, I don't like either of them because I don't like the injury to, to Judy, and I think Corlin Sutton then you know kind of takes a step back. But if Judy's out, I think you can still use Sun as a flex option. He gets that usage with Judy out. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't like Sutton a lot, but he's definitely flex worthy if Judy's out. If they're both back, total toss up. Uh, you're more than welcome to play that game and gamble. I'm not going to do that if I don't have to. So, well, I'm just yeah. saying, like if Judy's out, like you should know, you know, before the Sunday games. I'm sure he'll be if he gets ruled out, it'll be you know on Saturday, so you'll be able to throw Sutton in. Yep, that's a good point. That's definitely a good point. You know, keep an eye on that Saturday night, Sunday morning, you know, um, after getting drunk for two days uh, during Thanksgiving <laughs> weekend. Uh, but enough about my plans. Let's talk about the Panthers' side of the ball. Sam Darnold was named as a starter this week against the Broncos. P.J. Walker is out with an angle injury, and Baker Mayfield is trash. We're not going to talk about him. What about this offense? You know, they do have an interesting running back situation, but other than that, I I don't really look at the Panthers. Yeah, the problem is that, like, we said that about the running back situation last week, and then Foreman put up a whole dud of a game, which is really confusing. So, I, I just don't know anymore, man. I think we might be back to that point where there is not a single person on this offense that I'm willing to put into my lineup. Well, we've uh, talked about this a few times on the podcast when, you know, you have a, a new quarterback introduced into an offense and they do okay for a couple weeks, but then the film gets out. And I think the film got out and obviously they realized what was going on with PJ Walker before he got injured. They knew how to, you know, stop him and that means they can focus on the run game. So th- this offense in general, I'm completely avoiding. The film's out. Now we got Baker, uh, Sam Darnold starting. I don't expect much from anybody on this offense. Yeah, I wouldn't either. The one, let's say, let's say you're in a super flex league or a two QB league, right? I will throw this out there about possibly needing to stream Sam Darnold if you're in, if you're struggling at that quarterback position in, again, a super flex or a two QB league. Oh, yeah. At the beginning of last season, yeah. when at the beginning of last season, when Sam Darnold was the starter, he ran, he rushed in five touchdowns in the first four games of the season. He was he was very op- opportunistic around the goal line about running about running the ball in. He wasn't great as a passer. I mean, he did have three games of over three hundred yards in the first four four weeks as well. So, and they threw the ball a ton. And that was, you know, obviously I know CMC was out for for that time frame. And I don't know. There might be a sneaky little play of Sam Darnold streaming, again, only in 2QB or Superflex. I can't stress that enough. Don't try to go throw him into your lineup in a 12-team league, okay? Don't do that. But if you're hurt in one of those those kind of leagues, Sam Mm -hmm. Darnold might be a sneaky little streaming play. I like where you're getting at. Sam Darnold is like the thrift store version of Josh Allen. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's uh not as pretty but it might be the same results given the right situation yeah so, yeah I-, I can see that definitely yeah everything you said i totally agree with let's talk about our last game for our morning games or what are we calling this the early games early games yeah, yeah the early games because you're on the east six. coast they're not morning games they're still early afternoon 
Yeah, East Coast, where West Coast, ride or die. <laughs> if you listen on the East Coast, we definitely love you. But, you know, the West Coast is better. So, anyways, West Coast, best coast. Yes, sir. So let's talk about the last game. The Baltimore Ravens playing in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. The Ravens are four-point favorites. The over-under is 43.5 point points. Uh, I did it again. 43.5 points. And... Uh, pretty average for the over/under. Seems like it's going to be a, you know a pretty average game according to Vegas. Gus Edwards did miss the last two games with a hamstring and knee injuries. His status for this weekend has not been determined as of now. Tuesday, you're listening to this on Wednesday probably. If he does play, do you throw Gus Edwards in right away, or do you take a wait and see approach? I'll just say it right now, uh, it's a wait and see approach. Kane Drake has been mostly consistent for them. And Justice Hill seems all right. I, I don't think they rushed Gus Edwards into this at all. Yeah, I concur. Um, last week, even though Gus Edwards wasn't there, Lamar Jackson actually led the team in rushing attempts. So not just rushing yards, rushing attempts. So, uh, yeah, it's a wait-and-see approach. Honestly, I think you could very well end up wait-and-seeing the rest of the season, though, um, the way this kind of running back, this backfield uses a committee approach. Yep, I totally agree. Well, what about the receivers, though? A little more interesting, you know, Rashad Bateman did go down on IR a few weeks ago. And last week, Demarcus Robinson caught nine catches on nine targets for 128 yards. Didn't score, but he had a solid 17-point performance in half PPR leagues, which is what we typically play in here on the Fantasy Football Fathers podcast. 17 points is great for a receiver. How do we feel about these receivers moving forward? It does seem like he he's he's the next guy up with Rashad Bateman being out. It's very inconsistent, though, because Devin Duvernay is there. Yeah, and Bateman's been out for a while now, and this is the first time that DeMarcus has really done anything. Honestly, I'm not touching a receiver. Mark Andrews, for whatever reason, has been a little slower coming off the injury um, that than we expected. He's getting a little less usage. But I assume that as the season goes on, he gets healthier. He's going to be the guy um, still. And not like he's playing poorly. He's still the you know wide receiver or tight end two on the season, even after these uh, last three games have had a total of less than 15 points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm pretty much with you on that one. So let's talk about the Jaguar side of the ball. Um, after a pretty exciting start to the season, things have calmed down for him. Um. I mean, how do we feel about Trevor Lawrence and Christian Kirk? Christian Kirk had a very hot start to the season. But oh, well, right now he's wide receiver nine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so obviously you know, Christian Kirk. He bounced back. Yeah, he, he's been more or less consistent. I, w- I would say, honestly, in my opinion, more of a boomer bust guy. You know, he has six weeks where he has double digit points. But he also has four weeks right now where he hasn't surpassed double digits. We'd like to see more consistency out of that, but definitely a very promising player. So Trevor Lawrence, Christian Kirk, how do we feel about him? I like them both this week. Um, the Baltimore's, Baltimore Ravens defense has not been as good as we were thinking it was going to be going into the season. They Or in our entire lives because they've been great as long as we've been breathing. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they give up almost 18 points a game to the quarterback position. They're giving up almost 30 points a game to wide receivers. And so, obviously, that's you know every wide receiver. But I think that alone, you allow both Christian Kirk and Trevor Lawrence to have good games. The one spot that the Ravens are very 
very good at are against running backs. They only give up 17 points a game there. It's the sixth best in the league. So I'd be a little worried about Travis Etienne, but he's also a very good pass catching back. So I think you, you'll have a chance to for still him have a very good game. And obviously you're not going to sit Travis Etienne. He's too damn talented. So I think you can start, you know, their, their big three on the offensive side of the ball. Oh, the big three down in Florida. Yeah. Riverside, LeBron, and Chris Wade Bosch. And Bosch and yeah. Wade, yeah. Fucking 12 years ago or whatever. We're getting old. But either way, yeah, no, I agree with you on that one. So I think that wraps up our early game, start or sits, for you know Thanksgiving and Sunday morning. Thank you for listening. If you haven't by now, follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Wherever you're listening to us right now, make sure you like and subscribe. Give us five stars. If not, like I always say, fuck off. <laughs> five stars or nothing. All right? It's very easy to do, even if you don't like it. Who cares? Just be a nice person. Donate to charity. So, yeah, thank you for listening. And our next episode will obviously be about the late games, Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night football, star or sits, plus our starts of the week, which we uh, is probably our favorite thing to do on this podcast. So, yeah, did I miss anything? No, I think that's it. Hell, yeah, that's it. So that's exactly what it is, and we will see you for the late games. Bye.